You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 96 with Gina Hawkey from GinaHawkey.com. Gina, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Repeat guest, second time you've been on. Uh, obviously bringing you back because you had some awesome stuff to share last time. I love what you do in the world of, I guess, productivity and process and um, like I guess give us a little bit of a background of, of where, because I know your, I guess, offering has changed a little bit um, and you still have Hawkey Handbook, I assume. So can mm-hmm. you give listeners a little bit of a background about um, where you've come from, where you're going? Yeah, I consider it more of an evolution of sorts, which mm. I think everybody's journey is to some extent, course, but I'm still in the same lane, in the same space. We're just going from... Um, In the very beginning, I was a service provider, so I offered freelance writing and virtual assistant services online, meaning that my clients lived anywhere in the world and I could work from the comfort of my own home or anywhere I had internet access. And so then I went from doing it myself to teaching, as many people do, and helping people to launch their own online service-based businesses around skills that they already had, that they were repurposing or helping them to learn new ones based on what was really needed in the marketplace. And we've since transitioned into teaching very specialized skills because that was the call out from our community is, yes, I want to work online. Yes, I want to be in business for myself, find a few clients that I enjoy working with. And I kind of believe in the the mission that they're spreading as a business owner. But I'm not sure where to start or how to learn some of these really lucrative skills that exist. And so our first foray into that was in helping people to learn Pinterest marketing. So we launched a course at the end of 2016. So we're coming up on four years of become a Pinterest VA today. And then more recently, um, last fall of 2019, we launched Podcast Production School. So both of these are really helping business owners to promote their brands, their businesses, uh, and get in front of their ideal customers in different mediums or in different platforms. And so that's been a fun kind of evolution because we're able to, again, answer kind of that call from our community or our current students that really want to be confident in helping come alongside these business owners and help them to get in front of their ideal clients and customers and uh, you know get that repeat business that we're all after as well. Yeah, and I think that's great that you're training specific skills like that. I feel like that's one of the hardest things when you are hiring a VA. It's trying, like, you know, having to train people up or whatever, you know. And so the fact that, you know, I know if I need a podcast person or something, you know, like if I was doing Pinterest, that I could train. Like if I saw that they'd done one of your courses, I'd be like so happy to to bring them on. So I love that idea because it's just such a frustration when hiring i guess the hardest part to me is training <laughs> so, so to have someone you're not trained. alone yeah yeah it's just like i'm not a i'm not a manager i'm not a people manager at all um and like the thing that i'm probably next worst at is is training because we're going through the process of bringing on a new guy right now um to help um, adrian helps with support with our product content snare and it's like you know, I just forget how much is in my brain 
Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, cause then the, the questions like there's just, there's always going to be a lot of questions and stuff. Um, so to shortcut that process, I think would be amazing. Yeah. Well, I can give you some tips either right now or when we wrap up and how to do that more effectively if you want. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could um, get into that um, as maybe a second topic. I guess it depends how long this first one takes us to get through. I know we were talking earlier about uh, the Eisenhower matrix. Um, You suggested that as a potential topic. And I love that because uh, I guess Eisenhower, I know quite a bit about him because of... um, Wait, is it the same Eisenhower that's behind the Eisenhower matrix, like the president? <laughs> oh, goodness. You're going to ask me the questions. Yes. Di- uh, Dwight D. Dwight, Eisenhower yes. was yeah. the 34th president of the United States from 1953 to 1961. So he had yeah. an eight-year run. Yeah. So, um, But he was also involved pretty heavily in, in World War II. And um, and I, I read a lot about World War II. Or I used to. I guess I've probably read enough now that I, okay, <laughs> I don't need to stop. But um, yeah, he had some very interesting ways of like dealing with things. You know, like a, one of his thing. One, I've got a note that's on my like to do list that I see all the time of just like general reminders. And one mm-hmm. of them is his process of writing things down to unload. Like if you've got something that's on your mind, you need to get it off. He just basically was a big advocate of just writing it down and just bitching to your pad of paper you know yeah. uh, to get it off your mind so um you know i've got a really name. effective Sorry? technique if you can't sleep is to get up and actually write it down so a lot yeah. of people will put that pen and paper speaking from somebody that has had trouble sleeping i swear to god when you become a mom at least in my case like because you go through those infant sleep cycles and erratic sleeping patterns um and then you throw like hormones into the mix and then you become like us and uh that's, it is an effective technique though. It's mm. like you can either sit there and think about it and keep thinking about it and try and program yourself to remember it for when you wake up in the morning, which means you actually won't fall asleep. Or you can get <laughs> out of your nice warm bed and you can go and find that piece of paper and write it down and at least give your conscious the ability to relax. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Eisenhower, I guess, is a, he's a very interesting character. And um, when you suggested... Uh, the topic of running people's to-do lists against the Eisenhower matrix. I was like, oh man, I, like I'm pretty proud of my to-do system and I'm sure that now you're just going to shred it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what, why. Okay. Let's, let's start with what makes you so proud about it. Like, what do you like about your current way of doing things? Because just because there's another method doesn't mean you have to change. Um, I don't think it's too diff- dissimilar, right? Like, I'm, I don't know a lot about the Eisenhower matrix, but I believe that's the the important and urgent thing. Is that, is that yeah, 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 right? So, so we'll have- talk about. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, in one line of the matrix, that's essentially that. Is it urgent to non-urgent, somewhere in between, and then important, not important, and it's where yeah. those two quartiles meet. That you have four different boxes where things fit. But- yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, mine is kind of a couple of systems bastardized and it like, I guess the principles in a lot of these things are the same. So I have, uh, I use Trello um, and I have columns for, I guess the importance. And, and this is the system that I stole where it's like, A is consequences if not done. B is minor consequences if not done. C is nice to have. D is delegate. Um, the problem with the, this system that I need to fix is delegate to me has become like low priority. So instead of delegating mm. it, it just doesn't get done. Um, so, I mean, there's holes in every system, <laughs> but, and then I have colors um, for my days on, on those columns. So within 
so every card, like every task gets given one of those priorities and then a color based on the day. So today is my like content promotion slash SEO day. So I look for yellow because I've colored things that are yellow that are on, you know, in this theme, I guess the daily mm-hmm. theme. And I pick out the things from the A column first and whack them on my today list. And that's so how many things are you trying to get done on a daily basis? I think that's an interesting topic because I think what is unfortunate about a to-do list is it's never complete. And yes. what I've been saying on this topic for the last several years is that if your to-do list is becoming closer and closer to complete, your business probably isn't thriving. Yeah. It might be uh, fizzling out. Wow. So what ends up happening with a to-do list is that it's just rotating constantly. Mm-hmm. It's evolving, uh-huh. right? Because you're accomplishing some things. You decide things aren't as urgent or important as you used to think that they were. And so you delete them all together. But there's always those things that continue to appear And it's like against human psychology because we just want to tick the boxes and be done. Mm -hmm. But again, that wouldn't make for a very healthy or sustainable business, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's actually a good point. You know, like very, very rarely is mine empty. Like I might empty the A column, the the consequences of not done sort of thing occasionally. Um, Sometimes the B column will get down to like three or four things. But the nice to have, I mean, my, my nice to have column, I've even got a whole other board the cello board um, for nice to haves that it's like, cause there's kind of a reluctance to, I don't know, delete things sometimes. Like some, I'm ruthless a lot of times. I'm like, I really don't need to do that. It gets deleted. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't use it anymore, but Trello has this like a uh, pirate, they call it um, the pirate mode or something or, and, and the cards age like withering paper um, oh, as cool. the longer they're there. I didn't there. know that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so you can see if something's been there for ages and then you can, um, you just delete it. it. You know, obviously it's not that important if it's been sitting there for that long or you can send it to another board where it's kind of just like a filing system of ideas and sometimes go back through it. And, and um, yeah, so th- I guess that's, that's pretty much my system in a nutshell. Um, I don't know. So how many things do you think are on your list when you start for the day? So it sounds like you oh, have yeah. columns for you said Monday through Friday is your average work week. And then uh, no, no. Many- so, so I just, I have one column for today and I pick okay. from the priorities and the colors based on what okay. I'm doing today. Yeah. So I generally, theme. yeah, I mean, I just pick, I put them in my today list based on an order or like what mm-hmm. I think is most important and I get through them and it's however many I get through. It's not, like generally, like yesterday uh, was my a content day for me. I pretty much spent the whole day working on a sales funnel for a new um, new low price, I guess, offering that I'm putting out. I'm launching a course, uh, like a mini course on Zapier and a mini course on Text Expander together. Nice. Yeah, just and like we'll have like a stupidly low price on it just as because I haven't done that whole sort of funnel thing for the Jimmy Rose side of the business yet. Uh, so this will be a first. Um, and that, that, you know, but I spent the whole day on that and didn't even check email until like 4 p.m. and had to smash through a bunch of shit at like between four and five because I'm pretty So that's <laughs> the thing about email though, if you haven't heard it said this way, is that's other people putting shit under your Oh man, I love it. I love it. And I literally doing a talk on um, productivity in a couple of days. And um, the analogy I use for like, most people, it's like, would you give people a link to your project management system and just say, like, go ahead and slap some shit in there for me to do? Of course you wouldn't. Yeah, that's how we, what email is, right? It is for some of us that tend yeah. to be kind of type A and it bothers us not to be at inbox zero or not mm-hmm. to get back to people. But when you think about it, it is like 
basically that's why customer service exists uh, in part uh, because otherwise people have a direct gateway in, mm. into your attention and being a distraction or an interruption into your day. So most people would actually think that you're real smart about getting the important stuff done and then <laughs> getting into your in inbox at 4 p.m. Um, because it's the urgent stuff, but it's not the important stuff and it might not have even been on your radar. We have some sort of like human almost need or compulsion to like check our inboxes and to be on top of it. And to, even though it's an unsolicited ask, like we still almost feel like the people pleaser in us needs to say yes to things that weren't on our radar five hours ago and really aren't a part of our vision or our master plan or on that to-do list of activities that directly impact our goals and revenue. Yeah. And I think this is what makes it so hard, at least for me, is that like I'm pretty ruthless. If, if it's like cold or where it isn't like a genuine part of my business, you know, like I, I use SaneBox and it filters most of that stuff to a folder, which I can quickly scan through and like bulk delete anyway. Yeah. But the thing that gets me is because so much of the email is really important to my business, right? Like it's relationship stuff, you know, like I, I'll be talking to someone about, I don't know, going on their podcast. They might be coming on my podcast. We might be arranging guest posts or other SEO stuff, you know, like so yeah, I could get other people to do a lot of this, but a lot of, I guess what I do, it's not like bulk SEO stuff, for example, like this is just the SEO example, but like the reason I get guest posts or whatever, because they're people I know and I'm talking to mm -hmm. them and I don't want to yeah. go talk to my VA, right? Because right. um, they're actually my friends. So, and it makes you look a little pompous, like a dick yeah, or whatever. Because <laughs> I hate being on the receiving end of that. Like absolutely right. hate it, right? So... Um, that's the balance for me. It's like between these like emails, which, which legitimately are important and stuff, which has just been slapped in there that I really don't want to handle in a way. So I, I'm yeah, curious, have you ever tried those autoresponders that says I only check email this many times a week or at this period of the day? And what are your thoughts on them? So, um, it's interesting because offline earlier, we were talking about like people that announce in an email newsletter that they, um, you know, they haven't written to you in a while. It's like, oh, sorry, I haven't written in a while. Like why announce it? Just, just write. I almost mm -hmm. think the same about that. It's like, why announce you only check email at a certain time that I get back to them when they get back to them. It's mm -hmm. very rare. Someone expects me to get back to them like quickly. I have one client at the moment who's kind of like that. Like it, an email will go with like 24 hours without a response. And they're like back at me. I'm like, wait, chill, chill, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for the most part, I think people expect it to take a little while um, to yeah. turn around. I expect it. You know, that's why I use follow-up tools that um, will bounce an email back to me if someone hasn't replied in a week. Typically a week's what I use depending on what I'm expecting because, um, you know, people are busy and emails. Yeah. So, so a week I don't think is really that big a deal unless it's something that needs to turn around fast and on a fast turnaround, I use three days. It's still not exactly fast. So Yeah, I typically go with 24 to 48 business hours, meaning that if something comes oh, yeah. in on a Friday, I'm not worried about mm. getting back to them until end of day Monday or mm. early Tuesday if, you know, things blow up and are crazy. Um, but I would agree that, like, I give people the grace of, like, a week unless it's a prioritized project that mm. we're actively owning different parts of it and need mm -hmm. to move forward with the other person's yeah. input or something like that. But 
Yeah, I think that's just an interesting conversation. And hopefully for the people that are tuning in, they can look at their inbox maybe a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, Because there's lots of strategies and tricks and things that you can try, but ultimately it comes down to what actually works for you. But if you are the type of person that's in there 40 times a day that isn't having those deep work sessions Mm. um, that allow you to do the creative stuff or the stuff that's like specialized to you that you make all of the money for, Mm. Yeah. And you need to figure that out for yourself and, and you can employ some of those suggestions for sure. Yeah. And I mean, even just closing that tab, you know, if you're using Gmail or you've got your email client, whatever it is, just literally close it. Um, having it open there is just the worst because even though I'm, I'm ruthless with this stuff, sometimes I forget and they leave it open and it's on my other monitor and then I glance over and I see something and I'm like mid task and it's like snap and I'm over here on my email. I'm like, damn it. Like <laughs> I look back. Oh, 100%. After- guilty of it too. And I'll be like, oh, there's just five or 10 messages. I'll just clean it up really quick. And then the next time you look, it's back to that same amount or more. And so it's like the to-do list. It's never going to stay empty. Although I think it's important to somewhat stay on top of it, but I'm ruthless too about unsubscribing from all the things. Mm -hmm. I get so mad when people add me to their stuff and I still am not mad enough where I'll like try and penalize them by saying I didn't want this email or reporting it as spam or something like that. Um, because maybe it could be a mistake. But yeah. Cause there are some people it's like, as soon as you email them, you're on their email list. And it's like, that was not okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. So I, I just think closing the tab works really well for me. And actually another note of like not checking email till like four, I mean, I'm not saying do that, but a lot of people will check in windows. So it might be 11 AM or mm-hmm. whatever. I feel like if you give yourself a window, wow, it makes you productive at email. Like you can shred through that stuff really quick. And it makes you yeah. have to be like ruthless, you know, like these things get deleted. Um, this is something that like I'm going to need to come back to it. So it goes on my project management. It's not in my email anymore. Like all the good email techniques, right? Like, and then you yeah. can clean it. You're unbelievably productive when you've only got, you know, half an hour or whatever. Like, <laughs> I am um, totally guilty of leaving the important ones in there. And then sometimes I'll do the snooze thing, which is available on Gmail now. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. features ever, but it also can like backstab you and that you can snooze all these things. And then next Monday, now you have 40 important things that are on your to-do list. But I've started doing what you just exactly said, which is I'm not going to leave it in my inbox as a reminder anymore. I'm going to put it on my project management system. We're using monday.com right now Really? um, and committed for a year. It's Trello-esque and that is very visually oriented. Yeah. Um, There's one part of it that I'm not super thrilled about right now. And they have like five different pricing options or four or something like that. And you have to be on the third one in order to allow the privacy settings um, to have a control over that as the owner. And I have a couple of different businesses and a couple of different brands and my team doesn't need to see all of that kind of stuff. So Mm. that's something that I'm emailing support about right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like it it should be something that's included. We have a 15 member plan and it's like $1,500 a month in my mind. Like not everybody needs to know my personal to do list. And I shouldn't have to pay double that in order to get that benefit. Yeah. I mean, I haven't used Monday in a long time. Back when it was Depulse is when I used it. And I just didn't. Yeah, it it just seemed a little, I don't know, it's not worth changing. Like it was similar in a way, I guess, like just very basic. Um, and it didn't fit our needs at the time, but anyway, we don't need to talk. There's a lot I like about that too. Also, by no means am I, um, like we're committed for the next 14 months, so we're going to make it happen. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, there's something there too. Like, like committing is is probably mm-hmm. good, is good. You know, like um, otherwise, yeah, like the there's so much work in ta- uh, tool switching that. Oh my gosh. You know, sometimes you're better off just fixing, even if it's not the perfect system for you, sometimes mm-hmm. it's better off committing, you know, like right now I'm on SEM rush and I'm waiting for our annual plan to finish so I can switch back to Ahrefs um, just because I miss it. Like, you know, I, I liked it for a while um, and, but I've just got to the point where I'm like, yep, I definitely actually want to go back to Ahrefs, but I'm glad I didn't switch in like the middle of all of this. <laughs> That's a, you know, kind of an interesting point. So I'll tend to get sucked into doing the annual conversion because you break it down monthly and it just makes more financial sense. And I have a financial background, but I have done that prematurely a couple of times Mm. where it makes a little bit more sense to do the higher monthly pricing Mm -hmm. until you really know it's the tool for you. And then there's the other part of it, like how much do you get kind of married to it based on what you've had to put into it for the setup time and to get it effective for your needs. So that's kind of a... Some, something interesting somebody might take away is they might want to yeah. pay a little bit more and stay on the monthly until you know that tool is for you. There's no perfect tool for any of the things that I've ever nope. used. I know that's why software innovation and, and the SaaS kind of products exist is because everybody wants to create the perfect tool based on all the limitations that they've had. Like these are the features that I really want. And so then they're going to do a little bit better. And that's great because it's caused so much innovation within the mm. industry overall. Um, but I haven't found the favorite or my the perfect courseware. I, and I've tried a lot. I haven't found, you know, the perfect like checkout system and I've tried a fair amount. So there's yeah. just always going to be the pluses and minuses. But. Yeah, that's it. And it's hard to cater to everybody. Right. But no, I you can't. Yeah. And I really like that idea because I do the same thing. It was like monthly plan for the first like two to three months until I've decided and then, and then jump into annual because obviously it usually does make a lot more financial sense. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to worry about like, I don't know. I, I don't like seeing the invoices <laughs> come into my <laughs> uh, email every month or whatever. So I don't know. Total side note. So we've gotten way away from what we were going to talk about, which is fine. Absolutely fine. Because there's been a lot of productivity stuff here that I think is really important. Like um, I think email management and, like is, well, in fact, I, I just actually created a little guide on my best productivity techniques and email is the first thing I wrote about because I think a right. lot of people struggle with it, right? And then the to-do system, I think, was number two. So just by chance, you know, like the, these two things are really, really important. Um, and, but I'd like to talk about this this matrix, right? Um, because Now that the, we know who this guy is that created it and it's the same <laughs> guy we were thinking it was. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so... Because, I mean, yeah, we've talked about to-do management, but this is another level again, right? Because, like you said, stuff can build up and then, you know, it's like how do you prioritize exactly what to do? Uh, You know, like I'm looking at my to-do list right now and there are things there that are going to move the needle a little bit. There are things that are going to move the needle probably none. (laughs) Let's talk about categorizing them so we know what to do. And then how you actually put that on the to-do list, like on the system itself. Well, that's one of the features I do like about Monday.com is because it actually has uh, these different customizations that you can create per uh, thing that you add to your list. And it has like expandable fields so that you could have like sub to do's within an overarching one. And I really like the priority one because you can um, say if you want it to be high, medium, low, not applicable, whatever. And then you get to choose your color. So obviously the more glaring and annoying the color, the more urgent it's going to be and needing to get done. And then that corresponds with a a due date as well. 
Um, I did post a link for you that you could mm. share in the show notes on Eisenhower Matrix because it's got a really great breakdown if you're not familiar with what it is and it brings his history into it as nice. well as far as our former president who created it. <laughs> uh, but basically there are four quartiles like we got started talking about before and it goes from um, less important up to most important and then urgent over to less urgent. And they actually do color code them for us. So if you want to adopt their coding system, the ones that are going to be the most urgent and the most important are the green and the ones that he says that you should do first. Um, so these are the things that you should fill in the first part of your day. So what happens to a lot of us is that we get distracted by the email, the phone calls, the whatever, the busy work um, and it detracts us from kind of our best energy a lot of the time. Now, everybody's a little different. We've got our kind of early risers, which I would definitely fall into that category. And then you've got your night owls that have their most creative, productive time at midnight or whatever it is. And I've never identified with that group. I don't understand you guys. Uh, hey, I switched. I completely Did switched. You? So I understand both. Yeah, I was a massive night owl and now I'm like, yeah, early morning. So I, I don't know why, how I switched, but yeah, strangely, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's funny how there is such a difference between people though. Like, cause right now I can't even imagine doing work at like 10 PM. I'm just like, no yeah. way. I'm just checked out for the day. Like I don't even want to read a book a lot of the times if it involves too much thought process on yeah. my end. So we watch the office, the United States. Version. <laughs> um, that is kind of our thing before bed, but nice. Um, I was definitely an early riser and this played to my strengths as I was starting my freelance business, which turned into kind of my full-time job back in 2014. So I used to get up at like four o'clock in the morning and I'd set an alarm Oof. and we had real young kids. So our daughter, I was still nursing her. She was 10 months old and they're 19 months apart. So uh, two and a half year old and the two and a half year old, like still to this day, I made him sleep in this morning until 730, which was so painful for him because he wakes up and he looks at his clock and then he's like, mom said I had to go back to bed. Uh, but we'd let him stay up until like 1030 last night and he's eight. So he needs his rest, but right. um, he hasn't changed in that whenever he hears footsteps, which are usually mine because I'm the first one to get out of bed, then he wants to also start his day because kids are so excited about the day and all of the promise that a new day fills or they find in one. Anyway, <laughs> so I used to get up at 4.30 in the morning and that's when I was able to, I did freelance writing work in the beginning. Um, that's how I started my business. I wrote some samples and then I actually did client work during that time. And if I would have attempted to do that at 10 p.m., game over. So fill your rocks right? And that first section of the day, if that's what works best for you. And so then the, important, the one that- The important, urgent stuff. The important, urgent stuff. Yeah. And then to the right of that, it's still important stuff, but it doesn't have that deadline, that due date that's as pressing. Here's another side conversation we could probably go into, but do you operate well with deadlines? Like, do you almost need to get closer to the deadline to do kind of your best work and prioritize it? Or are you good with spacing stuff out? Um, this was- actually something I was kind of going to bring up because uh, like it's, it's something I struggle with now running a, you know, product-based business rather than service. Uh, I do a little bit of service stuff. So I'm helping people with like Zapier, um, like consulting or whatever, but um, very little of what I do has a deadline now, like very little. Yeah. So like almost nothing is going to be in that first quadrant for me. So I'm like, uh, when you're saying this stuff, I'm like, I don't know how to prioritize this. Like maybe <laughs> I need to give myself deadlines, you know, maybe yeah. I need to say that this funnel has to be done by tomorrow or some shit, you know, like, um, 
I can tell you that when I recorded my course, um, that was probably the, my Zapier course. It was the last proper deadline I had. I had to go away um, overseas and I was not going to have, you know, my microphone and camera and setup, and I was not going to have it all ready. And there's no way I was going to record when I was traveling. Um, so I had a deadline and I had a lot of videos, like 56 videos or something to record before I went. Wow. And I got it done, man. Like I was doing Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Um, the entire morning was recording and editing. So like I had these huge rocks, you know, and that, that rocks, um, sand, water analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, like I absolutely powered through it. So yeah, I would say I'm probably deadline motivated. Don't know yeah. how to introduce that to a company that doesn't have many deadlines. I think it has to start with, like, I feel like I'm really entrenched in this next phase of my business of really stepping into what's called like the visionary role, which a lot of people will equate with like the CEO type of role too. And I think that's like the point of arrival is that you're calling the shots, that you're getting to choose the projects that you're wanting to take on, or, you know, your main job might be like doing marketing and networking and all the things that, you know, there's some deadlines in that if you're going to attend events hopefully we'll get to do in person again at some point in the future. Um, But when there aren't, I mean, I I think for a lot of people that's exciting is because they feel that more freedom and associated with that. And so you do have to self-assign. I used to do that by publicly like stating it, whether it was sharing the goal out there for accountability because it was like a more of a personal goal or, you know, if I wanted to get into shape, then I would run a marathon or I did a fitness competition one year or whatever. So I had to set that end date in order Mm. to force me to break it down into those chunks because oftentimes we can't wait until the end, especially if you're like running a marathon, which I know isn't business related, but you can figure out how to translate this to a business project you're Mm. working on. You can't wait until the week before to start training. Like you're just not, if you're going to finish, it's going to take you like 10 hours. It's going to be the most miserable experience of your life. And uh, you might just decide to quit partway through. But if you know that, hey, I have a 10 or 12 week training plan that I need to complete and you get to pick your race, well, you're going to pick your race and then you're going to implement that 10 or 12 week plan and you know when your first week needs to start. Mm -hmm. So anyways, going back to like this vision planning is you kind of have to figure out like what are your goals for the next year, three years, five years. Um, And then how do you break it down into more tangible metrics? And there's things that you can influence and there's things that... So there's leading and lagging metrics. Have you heard of this before? No. Oh, leading and lagging. Did you say? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I just have a different accent than you. (laughs) (laughs) So the lagging metrics are what's happening based on the activities that you've chosen to do, but you can't really control the outcome as much as what are the activities or things that you show up and do on a day-to-day basis. So Mm. the leading metrics would be those measured activity. So if you're trying to land so many new clients and sending so many emails or making so many phone calls or showing up to so many events or whatever the case may be in order to um, increase your revenue by $100,000 in the next year or in the next quarter or whatever period of time you're looking for. So I lost track a little bit of what I was thinking about, but um, you have to know what the overall goal is in order to be able to break it down. And then I feel like you can set more deadlines associated with that work yeah so yeah that's what i'm thinking too i guess my day is just and i think a lot of agency owners are like this too right there's just so many things pulling you in different ways um you know like for an agency it might be client work it might be then working on a redesign of your website or something or um implementing some automation stuff uh like to to improve your process you know like there's always a hundred different 
things. Um, so I think I, there's no, to me, there's no like, in my business, there's no like massive large project that I need. Like the course was different. That's why it was so hard, mm -hmm. so yeah. easy to work on. But it's like all these things are very different. And that's, I guess that's why the daily theming and colorization has worked really well for me because yeah. it's like I do content on the content day on Monday, you know, and that's, that's, so that's when I write, I, I, that becomes kind of my mini project, you know, like there might be a blog post or something I have to write on that day. So that's what gets done. Um, and then I go on to another content related project. So, yeah. and then automation day is Thursday. So that's when I work on my automation stuff. Um, that's the only way I've been able to manage, I guess, all these different things when there's no one overarching big project. Like within that, there might be a big one. Like there's one there that says new onboarding emails um, for Content Snare. And that's a big project. I'm not going to get that done in one Thursday. So that's the kind of thing that probably gets split across my uh, like several days <laughs> in the end. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I just, I imagine a lot of agencies are in this same boat where there's just so many competing priorities. Um, but that's why I like I guess, the idea. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I guess I would separate it up based on what needs to uniquely be done by you. Like where, where are you at your best? Where are your strengths? What are the things that like you really enjoy too? Because I think sometimes we discount that kind of stuff. Um, so I would start with what needs to be done by you as the agency owner and what are the things that you can delegate? And then based on the things that need to be done by you, like obviously you need to prioritize them and you can start with a few different methods. You can, you know, some people like biting off a few smaller projects before they sink their teeth into something that's more difficult. Oftentimes we procrastinate the things that are a little bit more difficult, Oh yeah. but those are also the things that tend to move our businesses forward the most. So I guess I would also apply a filter of ROI to this equation. So what has to be done by me? What has the highest return on investment potential? And then based on that, like, how do I want to tackle the things? Do I want to go with a little bit of low hanging fruit, clear up kind of my plate? Mm. And then I, you know, maybe it's like cyclical for you. So you go easy, medium, hard, easy, yeah. medium, hard. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you could fit this into the matrix too, right? So I guess things that are more important could have a higher ROI. Right. Mm -hmm. So that yeah, they're less urgent though. That's, that's the opportunity area for most people. And I feel like, like in our communities, um, we're getting more and more clients that are reaching out for help. And I feel like it's because they actually have space and time to think right now. So for people like us that can work regardless of the kind of economic or, um, health climate where we're working from home or working virtually on the internet or whatever, mm -hmm. like we've gotten some space mentally to be able to think about, maybe this matrix and, and thinking about what your priority list is and how it impacts really the next level or stage of your business. Because if it's not impacting it, that falls into that bottom right quartile, right? Where it's not urgent and it's not important. Mm. Oops. Sorry, yeah. I clicked and, something I shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. And well, actually, let's, let's go back to the matrix because yeah. would you... Just to quickly, and we haven't really spoken about the whole thing, right? I'll just describe what I'm looking at. We've got yeah. the, um, it goes, it's a, a square basically with four squares in it, top left, mm -hmm. top right, bottom left. Um, so we've got green top left, which is um, important and urgent. Um, we've got yep. blue at the top right, which is important but not urgent. Um, we've got yellow bottom left um, is urgent and uh, not important. 
and bottom right is red and it's not urgent, not important. And this box is saying do first, top left, um, schedule the things top right, um, delegate the things bottom left and don't do the things bottom right, which it's, I, and just looking at this, you know, like the whole delegate thing is, is really important. Um, you know, cause things that are urgent, but less important, like I'm thinking for an agency, like, you know, finishing a, like some website stuff, maybe, you know, like getting some designs done for a client, they might be urgent, but that they probably shouldn't be urgent, That that's comes down to like project management. Um, so they should have some time to do them and then you can delegate them out to someone else. Um, just a little thing. I don't know, Gina, you might disagree with this, but from, I don't know if this is from my memory or just like what, but you want to, do you want to spend most of your time in quadrant two? Like they're important, but not urgent. I think quadrant quadrant one and two. So you want to not be spending your time in three and four, but the urgent stuff that's also important is important today. The quadrant two is what to get, gets ignored. Mm. Um, on average. And that's the stuff, again, that also probably contributes to the scalability or the growth of your company. It's just because there's not that deadline that you can keep pushing it off and almost pretending that it's not important, but it still is. Yeah. Well, but that's where a lot of the most important stuff sits, right? Like for example, that that task I spoke about that's in mind, the new onboarding emails, like that's not Mm -hmm. urgent. We have some onboarding emails that they're working um, ish. And like, but that, you know, it's, it's not urgent and it's very important. I think it would move mm-hmm. the needle a fair bit, mm-hmm. um, but it it gets put off because it's in that column, right? Like, uh, so, because it's not urgent. But I feel like that's where, like, almost, I'm just thinking back to my agency life, for example. It's like everything that was urgent, I feel like has, like, some. I want someone else in the business to be doing that as like an owner or a founder or whatever, even that first, that top left box. Yeah, there is some urgent stuff you're going to do as a CEO, but I think the more you can offload from that box and have someone else mm-hmm. to help you with it, um, the more you're going to be able to spend on that that like top left box, you know, the stuff that's important, not urgent that gets put off. Yeah, the top right. Sorry, but, top right, yep. Yeah, so I don't know if you've done any reading on what's called the integrator versus the visionary role. Mm. There's a really great book out there that's called Rocket Fuel feel. that yeah. I just finished and I really enjoyed it. I will um, link that up in the show notes too. Do it. Yeah. And I feel like what you're talking about right now is that the green box, which is the urgent important stuff should be the integrator owned, which is the person that does the stuff, mm. right? And manages the project management system that you're using and also oversees the team a lot of the times. The stuff that's in the top right box, which is the schedule stuff, that's the blue, is the stuff that probably you, the visionary, should be spending your time on. And it might be working out kind of the what and not as much of the how, which is Mm. a struggle for those of us that can be both great integrators and visionaries because... There are, um, I, I suppose they're rare from the book. That's what it says. That can mm-hmm. do both of those well. You either fit into the visionary or the integrator side of things or as a, a part of the support team. Um, so I think that you're right, though. That's what doesn't get done a lot of the time, but most of what moves the needle forward and probably plays to that area of what the visionary should be focusing their time on. That's a really good breakdown. I like that. Because, I mean, it is possible to get, uh, there's, there's people that don't have, a business partner, you know, like I, I'm in that position where I have the 
like I'm pretty much in that blue box most of the time and my business mm-hmm. partner's in the green box. You know, he's he's managing the code, the project management, the, like the dev team. Um, so I don't have to spend a lot of time in that. But I guess there's opportunity uh, for someone who is a um, a solo business owner or whatever that that's probably someone you could be looking to hire or partner with mm-hmm. that can take some of those urgent tasks off you so that you can work on the other stuff. Yeah, most visionaries start in both roles because they're a startup a lot mm. of the time, right? So they start from zero and they gain a lot of traction. And what helped them to get from where they started to that first level of success isn't what's going to be able to take them from that first level of success to the next level. Mm. Um, so it's a really good read if anybody has the time um, to go through it. It's pretty quick too. And then they have a bunch of tools that we're kind of working on right now, which directly tie into productivity mm. 100%. Yeah, and I will second that book recommendation. Um, Rocket Fuel is um, a great book. Um, I, I think it's by the same guy that did Traction. Traction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, actually read that one first. I, I, I found it a much better read than Traction. I can't even get through Traction. It's so dry to me. But Oh, good. Well, I haven't read that one yet, so I'll just take it off of my list. Well, a lot of people love it. So <laughs> a lot of people. Like, I think I'm the exception on this one. because Everyone seems to really enjoy that book where I'm just like, holy hell, I can't get through this. Uh, <laughs> which is very rare for me. I normally, re- I'm a completionist. I got to be Passions of an agency owner. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I can't remember where I was going. Oh yeah. That, that, that book, I think it, it talks about how you can try and fill that role as well. If you are solo, um, I know mm-hmm. it's easy, but it's definitely something worth looking at. Um, I am kind of thinking we should start wrapping this up because my brain is, is melted already. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking people listening might be in the same boat. We've covered so much stuff yeah. from like to-do lists to, to managing email to like <laughs> this, uh, a lot about Eisenhower. <laughs> so <laughs> Gina, um, is there anything else you think we should cover? No, I mean, I think this is all really powerful stuff. I guess mm. if I were to give anybody any advice, it's that there's no direct path that is going to be a one size fits all. You have to figure out what works for you. But if you know that you have a problem because there's added pressure and stress in your life and you never Mm. feel like on top of your game because there's too many things pulling you in too many different directions, A, that's the majority of us all the time or, you know, 50% of the time at least. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you're alone in that at all. But if you're actively looking for a solution, pick one and try it out for a substantial amount of time so that it has enough time to take effect and to mm. you know give you some some dividends because with a, like a new project management tool or anything else that's new in your business um, that's a system or a process like the investment comes up front and this is true of training in people which you said was kind of not your favorite thing <laughs> earlier when we were talking and you know hiring somebody and delegating and onboarding them and make sure making sure that they're kind of set up for success is hard because it does demand the most amount of time and effort and mental Mm. energy from you. And uh, you have to see kind of that light at the end of the tunnel. Same is true with um, getting a project management system up or changing some things about your business that are working very well is you have to make that commitment per our conversation earlier to see it through, to give yourself that time to really reap the rewards because the cost is going to be your upfront investment, whether that's time or finances or something else. So yeah. um, just try a couple of things and see what sticks for you. But um, 
I think it's worth trying because you'll learn something about yourself and about your business in the process, even if it's not the ideal situation for you. Absolutely. So um, where can people go to find out more about what you do? Yeah, well, it depends on kind of what you're looking for, but um, we're building out GinaHorky.com as a collect-all to send you to the right place because we have our hands in a few different things. Um, But I'm excited to start a newsletter over there uh, just to talk about whatever I want to talk about. (laughs) Hopefully be valuable and not a waste of your time at all, but not so much about, you know, marketing specific products or services, but just really sharing thoughts on different things that are, that are coming up. And, um, but if you're looking to hire help, you can go over to horkyhandbook.com, which is H O R K E Y handbook.com. And if you're wanting to delegate some things, we have some, a community of amazing virtual assistants that are looking to expand their client base as well. Epic. Awesome. Yeah. So Gina Horky, G-I-N-A-H-O-R-K-E-Y.com. Uh, you can see a picture of Gina sitting in on a pink, very bright, vibrant pink chair with some fluffy <laughs> boots on. <laughs> there are slippers. We're going bold. All right. I work from home. I get to call the shots. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. I, I'm loving love work from home. I I don't know how other people are, but I do need to get out occasionally. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. Uh, Gina, thank you for uh, this. This has been a very thought provoking chat for me. Now we all have to go change. Hurry up. Just kidding. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Cool. Uh, If you guys have enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to this episode and leave a review um, or share it with someone you think will benefit from it. Um, Man, I I know I am. I've got a whole bunch of notes I'm going to go through. Uh, I will link up everything we spoke about in this episode, including um, Eisenhower Matrix that Gina sent me, um, Rocket Fuel, whole bunch of stuff. Again, Gina, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.